not entertained! Welcome to Brother's Choice, where we're watching a film chosen by my brother. Today, we're discussing the 2000 Ridley Scott film, Gladiator. I'm your host, and I believe the best part of every movie is when the bad guy says, are we so different, <laughs> you and I? My co-host is Guy, who after every podcast, for some reason, yells, are you not entertained? <laughs> and also, you fool! Hello, Guy. <laughs> Hello, Ron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a different stream. <laughs> and today we have a special guest, my brother Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello. So you, you could choose any film you wanted. Why did you choose this one? It's uh, always been my favorite cinematic movie, just the way it was filmed and uh, the opening battle scene and the storyline behind it. And I just felt all the stories within the story was really fascinating. And that's pretty much why I chose it. Well, it's definitely, <laughs> a, it's definitely a beautiful movie to watch. I mean, Ridley Scott, is, uh, pretty much all his movies that I've seen are visually striking. And this one's not an exception. Yeah, and I'm I'm a fan of Ridley Scott. I have some issues with him, but uh, Alien and Blade Runner, especially, are, are some of my favorite films. And also, Black Hawk Down was a really amazing film. Uh, but I had never seen this one. I think you had seen it once. I saw. Guy, I think in the theater. Yeah. So this was new to me. I, I figured this time are a little bit different order than usual because there's a lot of context I wanted to talk about. Uh, Dan and I watched a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, and I did some extra research. So, but before we get to that, I figured we'd just kind of go through a you know, high level walk through the film yeah. and we can talk about, about some of the details. And so as Dan mentioned, you know, this starts, uh, with the, in Germania, which, uh, I didn't look up. I mean, you know, <laughs> exactly where Germania is, but I'm assuming it's, it's, uh, what it sounds yeah. like. We have Maximus, uh, played by Russell Crowe. You know, he's the Roman general leading the Roman army to victory against those, those evil German people. And I, I actually took the trouble of watching a couple of YouTube videos on historical accuracy, and the character of Maximus is not an actual guy, though it is kind of a composite of a few different noteworthy people. Yeah, and in doing the research and looking at the behind the scenes, actually I was surprised about how much of the film is sort of accurate. I mean, obviously this character is not, but there were things in here I would have said there's no way that's accurate, and and turns out to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we, will, we will get to now, uh, Maximus is traveling with Marcus Aurelius, who is the Caesar of the time, you know, and I think we think of Caesar, right? But, you know, Caesar was mm. a title. And so Marcus Aurelius was a Caesar. And he's also kind of unusual for, a, you know, a Roman politician in that he wrote this book called Meditations, uh, which people still read oh, today. Yeah. So he's it's considered a, a philosopher. Kind of, and one of, one of the things he said in the film. Kind of having a sort of renaissance today, actually, a lot of people are reading it and enjoying it nowadays yeah so he had a lot of a lot of impact and he's you know traveling around with maximus and he tells maximus that he wants him not his son commodus to succeed him so i'm sure that will go well <laughs> i'm sure his his son will be totally happy with the fact that somebody else was chosen <laughs> to become emperor uh and so of course you know not surprisingly well actually i guess we would you know Marcus Aurelius tells Commodus that he's not being promoted, and Commodus, uh, of course, kills Marcus Aurelius. Now, this isn't historically accurate. Most likely, Marcus had died of the plague, which they kind of reference in the film mm. at some point, so that's sort of going around. Yeah. Not that we had any experience or anything uh, uh, like that. In the movie, uh, he chokes him to death, which uh, you'd think would leave some marks, but uh, 
If if it does, everybody's tactful enough not to mention it. Although, although Russell Crowe's character is pretty clear that from the outset he believes that he was murdered, so he he wasn't fooled. Right, and it made it kind of look like instead of having hand marks on necks, that he more just pushed them into his chest and wouldn't let mm. him breathe. You know, and okay, could be. Uh, so I might get rid of some of that. Yeah, that's actually a thing I, I've uh, seen this. It's something that police have done sometimes, which is if a whole bunch of people lean on your body at the same time, you will die of asphyxiation, but there's no real evidence huh. of it, you know, because you basically can't move your diaphragm, et cetera. And unfortunately, there are police who've made use of this to, to hmm. kill people. <laughs> so Commodus, you know, kills his father and seizes the throne and then he wants Maximus to be killed, of course, and since you know soldiers the after him, and then um you know maximus uh in a actually it was a little weird to me i I would actually argue the directing was a little bit unclear on this to me because they literally are about to cut off his head, and he says, "Oh, you know, kill me in the honorable way for a soldier, so they go behind him to put the sword through his spine, which I guess would be. I don't know, more painless or whatever. And the first time I watched this, I thought someone had come behind the guy who was going to kill him and stabbed mm -hmm. him or something. But it looked like somehow in this process, he just sort of leaned backwards and, you know, headbutted the guy yeah. and grabbed his sword and got out of it. it, didn't, yeah, it, it, is, yeah. it isn't very clear, but it did look like there was some kind of headbutt involved, some dodging and headbutting. Yeah. But yeah, they, uh, and it was interesting that um, Commodus, took, I think there were about four soldiers, and he said, take him a day's ride away and kill him. Uh, so I'm assuming that was so, because it was made clear that all the soldiers in this army in Germania, they were all, they were all very loyal to Maximus, very fond of him. So, so he probably had him ridden a day's ride away so that nobody would know what had happened to him. Right, and then right. it looked like they kind of were going to dump him into a field of old skeletons of soldiers yeah. laying there. So, so then he would just skeletonize with yeah. the rest of them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which reminds me of like a casino or whatever, right? When they would take you out to the, uh, the oh, desert yeah. and bury you in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know Maximus travels back to his home, and we get this very visually dramatic thing where we just see the feet of his wife and son hanging there. So. They, yeah. you know, yeah, the <laughs> killed them in a very nasty Com way. <laughs> Commodus was uh, was very vengeful. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't enough just to get rid of Maximus. He had to he had to get rid of everything. Yep. So now Maximus gets captured and enslaved, and uh, he's going to be turned into a gladiator. And the the guy who's in charge of him is this guy named Proximo. And I, I checked, and he's not a historical character, but there were people like this. So Proximo was a very unusual person who was a gladiator who was so successful that the emperor eventually uh, freed him. And now he sort of, you know, is in charge of the gladiators. Yeah. Right? He goes out and finds people to be he gladiators. Started his own business, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sounds like there are a bunch of gladiator houses, you know, private businesses where somebody's got, you know, like if somebody set up his own dojo or something, except they're slaves in this case. Uh, so Proximo is one of those <laughs> yeah. people who runs one such business. Right. And I didn't look up how accurate this is. I assume it might have been. But it looks like kind of like Broadway and off-Broadway. Like he starts Maximus out in some, you know, town out in the middle of nowhere with kind of a small, you know, um, 
uh, arena. Uh, and and when he does well, he decides to bring him to the yeah, to the big we're going to the big time. And also, there is there is some uh, little story reason given that Marcus Aurelius had banned gladiator fights in Rome, which uh, was one of the things those videos told told me is not historically accurate. He had banned it in the city of Antioch, mm. I think one of them mentioned, uh, but in Rome uh, there was actually a shortage of gladiators. So they, they needed more of them. <laughs> yeah, the movie alludes to him for five years saying no for having any games there. Oh, yeah. And now his now his son is Yeah, is he, he's bringing back the bread <laughs> yeah. and circuses to uh, drum up enthusiasm for his rule. Yeah. So Maximus gets a reputation for how well he fights, and then Proximo takes him to the main Roman arena <laughs> It, you know, and it's a pretty interesting fight because he gets all the gladiators to band together and he sort of uses Roman army tactics, right, to win against uh, the people they're fighting. Because they, um, you know, the people they're fighting is totally unfair, right? They have like, they oh, what's the name of the carriages? Um, yeah, and, wheels. The, and the big blades sticking yeah, out of the hubs. Yeah, and armor. Yeah, and, all that good stuff. <laughs> and, you know, bows and all this. So they have all the advantages. But Maximus uses, you know, Roman army tactics to uh, defeat them by all of them working together and, you know, acting uh, in concert. And, uh, and, and he ends up winning. And then Commodus wants to meet him. He doesn't realize who he is because Maximus is masked. And he calls himself the Spaniard, right? Mm-hmm. He's not identified himself. And uh, when they meet, you know, he tells Commodus, uh, I am Maximus Decimus Meridius, <laughs> commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And he says, I'm father to a murdered son and husband to a murdered wife. So uh, then Commodus realizes he's kind of caused a problem here. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and Commodus wants to just have his soldiers kill him because the battle's supposed to end with these barbarians. You know, all these gladiators were the barbarians against the other side that represented the Romans who were, vic- yeah, they were, they were victorious <laughs> in the historical battle that this is reenacting. Uh, so the history turned out different in this case. Right. Uh, and the emperor is going to just have them all slaughtered. You know, they've dropped their weapons. They're surrounded by Roman soldiers. But the crowd is going nuts uh, for Maximus. So the emperor realizes he, if he has these guys killed, it's going to just make them look real bad. So he grudgingly allows them all to live. Yeah, and I forgot you mentioned there. this whole thing was supposed to be a recreation of a certain battle. So, of course, the barbarians were supposed to die. And when we were watching the background stuff, they don't show this in the movie, but apparently they would actually put in like background scenes and stuff, what we would call in theater flats, mm. right? Where they would have the, you know, the mountains or whatever that they were oh, fighting against. Right. So it was a very theatrical huh. experience. <laughs> and somewhere in here, we meet Senator Gratchus, and the, he is played by Derek Jacoby. Do you know the significance of Derek Jacoby being a um, this guy? Actually, I did look ahead in the notes, but uh, <laughs> I did actually watch uh, I Claudius years and years ago on DVD. Uh, so that's uh, that's neat. I, I did not spot that. Yeah, so I Claudius is really great HBO or not HBO? Sorry, BBC series back in the day, and Derek Jacoby played Claudius, who you know is a historical insane mm-hmm. emperor. Um, who like made his horse, uh, you know, a senator, and 
you know, would kill, no, would go that to was dinner Caligula, and then kill everybody at the dinner. The I, I think Caligula was uh, the crazy one. Claudius was more balanced, I think, if I remember right. You're right. I'm conflating them. Caligula was at the time, and he's part of the series, and that's why I'm conflating him. In fact, he was played by, what's his name, who had the chest burster? Oh, John Alien. Hurt. John Hurt was Caligula, yeah. yes. So, uh <laughs> So you're you're right, uh, but regardless, uh, watch uh, I Claudius to see these great things. Also, uh, what's his name from Star Trek? Uh, uh, Will Wheaton? No, no the 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 commander in Star Trek oh, uh, Next Generation. Uh, uh, oh, Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Okay. No, Patrick Stewart. You're <laughs> okay. Patrick Stewart was also part of I Claudius. So it was, a, and that was before he was like a big name or anything. Okay. So. It's a great series. I remember I enjoyed it, but it has been a long time. I'll have to go back and check it out again. For anyone interested in this, uh, from like about a decade ago or so, there was an HBO series called Rome, which is very similar to this and really good series, especially the first season. Yeah. And pretty historical. You know, the two two main characters are two soldiers that were mentioned once in Caesar's writings, and nothing else is known about them. So they just took those two characters and made them the the characters of this, and you get to see their experiences, you know, Caesar's coming back and taking over and then getting assassinated and all that. Oh, I was just going to say that is an entertaining show. The two guys that you mentioned, uh, one of them is very straight-laced by the book kind of guy, does everything right, and the other guy is just, uh, he's just in it for the fun and money, you know? So, uh, they're a fun contrast to each other. And that series was kind of the precursor to game of Thrones because they spent a lot of money on it and they created a whole set that represented all of like downtown Rome Mm -hmm. at the time. It was very expensive. That's why it only went two seasons. They couldn't really afford it, but it kind of laid the groundwork for doing. Oh yeah. That's a, it's a beautiful looking show and a fun trivia question or fact (laughs) is, uh, Deadwood, my favorite TV series, uh, actually exists because David Milch, the guy who wrote Deadwood, he had wanted to make a show about ancient Rome, and HBO said, well, uh, sorry, we got one in the works already. You're going to have to do something else. So Deadwood (laughs) was what he came up with, and uh, I guess it worked out for the better. Oh, no. Since Commodus, Commodus, I don't know how you want to say it, uh, is kind of a jerk to everybody. Eventually, there's a conspiracy to take him down between his sister and Senator Gracchus, and they're working with Maximus to try and overthrow him. And in the middle of this, Commodus challenges Maximus to a duel in the Colosseum. And this is one of the things where I would have said, this is ridiculous. This is a movie mm-hmm. thing. It never would have happened. Actually, it is <laughs> true Commodus did hundreds of fights in the Colosseum. Uh, what he would do is he would rig mm-hmm. them, right? So the people he was fighting against would have like wooden swords and then he would kill mm-hmm. them. Uh, he would also fight against the animals and I assume they would do things to to rig it for him. And he loved doing this. And this actually contributed to his downfall because people in general just felt like he was more interested in being a gladiator. And it was clear that he was cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, he was more interested in being a gladiator than running Rome. And it really, you know, gave him a bad reputation. But he just kept yeah. doing it. Yeah, and like you say, it, 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 well, it, just, apparently it was very obvious that the, the fights were rigged, which nobody respected that. It's like the the movie, too, where he is more interested in the title of emperor, but doesn't really want to deal with all the, the politics and how what it takes right. to be emperor, you know, dealing with the people and their sickness and their 
plumbing issues and, yeah. and yeah. all the right, things you're supposed that, to. When he becomes emperor, the first thing that Derek Jacoby does is present him with this list of things that need to be handled, including plague in the Greek sector, and he's just totally not interested. <laughs> it's like, he's bored. Oh, yeah. Around, oh, know? boy, that would have <laughs> been, uh, if I was one of the senators in attendance, that would have annoyed the hell out of me. It's spinning his sword. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they have a duel in the Colosseum, and, of course, Maximus ends up killing Commodus, and then, and this is a little unusual, like you're expecting him maybe to come emperor or something, but Maximus also was injured and he dies. And we see his kind of dream of him coming back together with his wife and son. And then, you know, his body is carried away in honor while Commodus is left in the dirt <laughs> in the arena. And Senator Gracchus is re restored to power and the future of Rome, you know, well, who knows. <laughs> and that is uh, the movie. They said, I, you know, I think Ridley Scott is great. He's there's some film of his I feel he could be lazy because a lot of times how well he does d depends on his collaborators, right? Like, I mean, Blade Runner is a classic case where he was just focused on the visuals and a lot of the most classic dialogue and key moments of that movie were from the mm. actors ad-libbing. And I've seen movies uh, where he was not, you know, he was sort of phoning it in and the actors weren't providing that and they were really bad. But um, also, I mean, he's really unique in that he has – Movies that have been successful in so many different genres. You have Alien for science fiction and horror, Blade Runner for science fiction, but Thelma and Louise, which we covered mm -hmm. on this podcast, uh, Black Hawk Down, which is a really great portrayal of a true military situation, really well done. And, of course, Gladiator. I mean, these are kind of the films he's known for, and they're almost all pretty mm -hmm. different. And a lot of what this film and also I, Claudius, was about is this whole thing about Rome being a republic, but then turning into kind of a dictatorship, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of people wanted it to stay a republic, which was more of a, well, I mean, we're a republic. We think of ourselves in yeah. the United States, we think of ourselves as a democracy, but we're actually a republic. And, you know, a lot of people felt that was the right thing to do. But of course, people in charge always wanted to turn it into a dictatorship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and by the point, I think, I think this movie is supposed to take place around 180 AD. And I think the Julius Caesar was, now I could be wrong here, but I'm thinking around 40 BC. So, I mean, uh, the Rome had been an empire for a couple centuries by the time that we have this movie's events. So, but, but there was still pro republic sentiment. Yeah, this movie seemed to be on the expansion of it. And I don't know if it's accurate, but the movie shows Marcus Aurelius as wanting to return them to a republic, right? He tells Maximus to to do that. Mm, uh, that's, before he that dies. was what he wanted. Now, from what I saw on the uh, on the YouTube videos, apparently it's not clear that he really did try to reestablish a republic because it seems as though he actually did kind of groom Commodus in in real life. He was he was mm -hmm. more close with him than we see in this movie. So speaking of Commodus, you know, played by Joaquin Phoenix, what did you guys think of his uh, portrayal? Very punchable. <laughs> I thought he played it pretty well. You know, he captured the insecure whininess, never can please my father, but I'm always trying to just live in the constant disappointment, even though he wasn't doing anything to better himself. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's uh, just everything is poor little me with this guy. I mean, uh, sure, it would have been nice yeah. if his dad had given him some love, but uh, 
uh, you know what, you're going to be emperor, take the job seriously, or don't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that he didn't overplay it. You know, he could have uh, gone over oh, the yeah. top a lot more. No, he, he did a he did a good job. You know, that's like the that one thing I mentioned a while back that somebody said. Uh, you know, if a villain makes you really dislike him, then then he's playing the villain well. And I I, I disliked this guy, so uh, good job. He did a lot with his eyes. If you watch it. He wins you over and convinces you pretty much with his eyes in a lot of the scenes. And he's always got, now, I, I don't know if this is supposed to be like some period authentic makeup or if it's just something to create the effect, but he's got these real dark rings under his eyes a lot of the time, like he's not getting enough sleep or something. Yeah, he does. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be <laughs> like Roman makeup or if it's just supposed to be he's just a guy with dark <laughs> rings under his eyes, but it makes him look really... Uh, harried and frazzled a lot of the time. Oh, yeah, it yeah. definitely worked. <laughs> and I hadn't seen Joaquin Phoenix in stuff. I, I really just hadn't seen his movies until Joker, and I'm a big fan of the film Joker, uh, which they're currently working on a sequel to. We'll see how that goes. I haven't but, seen uh, that one. You know, he is a very interesting actor. I, I think he's he is also unusual for a well-known actor in that he's one of those guys who, I think he just chooses things that are interesting mm-hmm. to him. He doesn't really you know, try to be the, you know, the most famous person yeah. or, or whatever and play the most famous roles and all that. It seems to be going well for yeah. him. I mean, he's uh, he's a, an acclaimed actor nowadays, so that's, uh, he seems to be doing the right thing. He did have that weird point where he did this documentary, which was kind of a fake documentary about yeah. how he was le- leaving, uh, you know, show business. And he went on, as part of that, he went on, David Letterman in character and sort of was totally comatose and David Letterman was making uh. fun of him and but he didn't tell anyone that's what he was doing. <laughs> but I, I'm not sure it was a good idea because it really confused people and they're like, oh, he's really quitting, you know, and he's et cetera. And, you know, yeah, it was all just you know, a bit. Crispin Glover did something like that on David Letterman where he went out and he was trying to show Dave his kung fu moves and David finally just walked yeah. off set. He had enough of it. But it was it was all just a bit as far as I know. Yeah. Well, my understanding is Letterman did not know he was going to do this kick. And they go to commercial and they come back and he is gone and he never comes on the show again. (laughs) I mean, Letterman was not happy with that. Yeah, I think they have some similarities, but uh, yeah, I like like his work. So some of the the stuff I'm kind of surprised they didn't bring up in the movie. Maybe they thought it would take it over the top or something, kind of like the, you know, the Caligula stuff. So (laughs) Commodus renamed Rome after him. And he renamed the months of the year after oh, him. Wow. And, you know, people in Rome were like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and so nobody was unhappy when he got killed. And then immediately, you know, Rome was renamed Rome again. Hmm. And <laughs> the months were renamed the months. And he, he got actually, in this movie, he's not emperor very long at all. But he actually apparently got about 12 years of being emperor before they did him in. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have made for a good romanticized no, no, story no. for this movie. There's a show. lot of uh, stuff that's very, uh, very conveniently structured in the movie here, but uh, but it's good fun still. That's all right. And they're not sure how he's actually killed. Uh, you know, one of the stories is that his mistress tried to poison him, and that didn't work. So they brought in a wrestler who strangled oh, him in yeah. his bath. <laughs> so that would have been <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I guess the guy. 
was somebody that he would normally spar with. So it was nothing unusual for him to show up and say, hey, let's, oh. let's wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> this is an early CGI film, you know, from 2000. And they did a pretty good job with it. Like, uh, we were watching, you know, like half of the arena wasn't actually there and they were putting that in oh. the CGI and a lot of the um, the shading and stuff over the top of it. Also, the tigers were CGI, oh. which, uh, especially if you're kind of watching for this, it's you can tell they had trouble because they would like have a shot of a tiger and then a shot of the guy and then the guy on the ground and you didn't actually see the tiger doing stuff mm. right, like the way yeah. you probably would now because they couldn't actually film it. It was interesting the way that we watched how they had some blue screen with it to make it look like, you know, uh, the tiger was scraping on Russell Crowe with some shadowing. And uh, right. so there was a couple couple shots in there, but for yeah, the most the, part, that yeah. scene where the tiger actually jumped on his back, that one looked pretty, pretty mm. good to me. I mean, I, I didn't really notice anything too off about the tigers overall, but then again, I wasn't really looking for something off. What I, what I did spot, for me, about the only special effect that really seemed off to me was towards the end, you know, where he's dying and he's hallucinating about meeting up with his wife and kid. The scenes of his villa and his farm in that flashback or in that vision of the next life, whatever it is, they have a very pronounced blue tint to them. And, uh, yes, and some of the yeah. green screening on that didn't look quite convincing. You know, like you see the wife and she's against this gray blue sky and it's obviously a green screen shot just didn't didn't quite gel there for the most part the special effects are good i think there was an earlier shot with uh commodus in you know looking out over his kingdom or whatever and it's a very bright sun and you know sun streaming in and all this which well, you could both sort of tell it's CGI, but also to me was sort of a callback to Blade Runner because they had the shots in Blade Runner with the sun coming through mm. in the same way. So I kind of thought they were trying to redo oh, yeah. that. And of course, they had to throw in the flying dubs here and there in the background oh, when they're in yeah. Rome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're, what, 23 years after the fact. Uh, uh, so, guys, is, is it a film that is worth watching for a modern audience? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely good to be aware going in that you're not, you know, this this is not a real story, though it does contain many, you know, real characters in it or people who actually existed. And I guess that in a lot of the smaller details, it is good. You know, the, some of those videos I watched were praising the realism of the, like the battles in Germany in the early scenes of the movie. And uh, I guess a lot of the details that they put in about just Roman life in general, um, a lot of those are pretty good, pretty well-researched and put together and so forth. But just as an interesting movie and an enjoyable movie, it did, uh, it did seem I was a little bit surprised at how many tropes I spotted in it, although given that it's 23 years old now, uh, it may have established a lot of those tropes. Like you mentioned earlier, the we're not so different, you and I, which is uh, <laughs> very, uh, very well known nowadays, but um, it <laughs> very Dr. Evil. <laughs> uh, so overall, it, yeah, it's a fun movie. Um, you know, it's, I think two and a half hours, give or take a few minutes, and, um, well, you know me, there's very few movies that I don't think couldn't be trimmed down about 20%. 
but uh, but it's still a still a good enjoyable watch overall. I I would say worth watching. Yeah, we had the extended version, uh-huh. so it was even longer. But you know, there's just a few scenes in there that, like any movie, they help tie it up. But without him, you wouldn't have mm-hmm. noticed. You know, so. What surprised me coming into it, not having ever seen it before, is I expected it to actually be a lot more action-oriented. And really, 50 to 70% of the film is just character moments, right? Like two people mm, talking a lot of dialogue. kind of stuff. And the action is, you know, is contained to, to certain scenes. And so I thought that surprised me, and that was interesting. And I definitely think Joaquin Phoenix does a good job sort of being the bad guy. Phoenix is good. Russell Crowe, is, um, he's likable as a protagonist. He's kind of the, the strong, silent type, you know. So, uh, but, but you get occasional glimpses where it's clear that, uh, yeah, like in the early scenes when he's walking through the ranks of his soldiers, you know, they'll, uh, some of them will greet him and say general, you know, or they'll smile at him or he'll pound him on the chest or whatever. Yeah. So there's... Uh, it becomes clear early on that that the men who are uh, under his supervision they uh, they respect him and they uh, they seem to like him. So uh, you get that sort of indirect character development, not so much through the things he does, but from the way people react to him. And that works pretty well, uh, you know, when you combine it with his own personality, which is. Not entirely humorless, but largely humorless, you know, but uh, you kind of infer from the way other people react to him that he does have some warm, likable traits. Commodus's sister, she was good, too, uh, I I thought, uh, you know, and and that's another thing where they have, have to have everything in this story really tied together. So apparently she had dated Maximus at one point in the past, you know, and then her brother's becoming the emperor, but he's not supposed to be the emperor because uh, Maximus was like the son that the previous emperor never had, so he's supposed to take over and free the republic. So you know they just they structured this artificial history as to be very convenient for a lot of plot points and stuff uh, to drive right. the action. But uh, but yeah, that's okay. It's it's an enjoyable movie in its own right, and uh, definitely just a. Uh, a neat movie to to look at if you're like the visual spectacle, which I almost always do. Right. You know, and they they do tie in that relationship from them in the past because in the extended scene they actually ah. kiss in the end, not in the end, but before yeah, so, mm-hmm. he starts going to yeah, battle. It's a good old fashioned Roman incest, at least well, implied. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just met with uh, with. Um, Russell Crowe, his character, and her. Oh, I see. Yeah, um, but there was also her and uh, and Komodo. Yeah, well, he he was way more into her. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he ends up insisting, you know, uh, that that she's going to bear him an heir, and then he he says that I am I not yeah, merciful? Right. <laughs> well, not exactly, but I don't think you're quite clear on the concept. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah, we didn't really cover her, but she does play a major role, and I think the actress uh, does a good yeah. job. Hey, uh, oh, so you know, uh, we have been watching while well, my brother's been visiting me. Let's see, we saw Animal Kingdom with Guy Pierce. Uh, we saw Memento with Guy Pierce. But these are both two films I really mm-hmm. like. Uh, tonight, uh, I'm going to show him uh, L.A. Confidential, which is Guy Pierce and oh. Russell Crowe. So it's the <laughs> sort of Guy Pierce uh, Russell Crowe Film Festival here. <laughs> <laughs> What he's been in something that um, 
I'm trying to picture. There's the nice guys a few years ago. Did you? No, I saw him in something recently, and I can't think of what it was. Are you talking about Russell Crowe? Well, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. That, that name just comes oh, okay. up. Uh, I've seen him in something. Now, indulge me a minute. We can edit this out. I want to see what uh, <laughs> what I'm thinking of. Here. It's going to drive me nuts otherwise. Alien Covenant, that's it. He was Peter Wayland. Okay, that's where yeah, I okay. was. Uh, I was thinking, I, I know him from somewhere. Um, yeah, the old, yeah, played he played the, the old, old guy, guy in that one. That was not one of my... The young guy also. Yeah, but. yeah <laughs> I have problems <laughs> with that movie. But. Yeah, definitely, uh, there's a uh, lot that can be discussed about that movie. But uh, but he was entertaining in it, I thought. The Guy Pearce had a pretty amazing career. Uh, the other Russell Crowe film worth watching for anyone who's interested in him is The Nice Guys. It was a few years ago. He did it with Ryan Gosling. It takes place in the 1970s, and they're, you know, it's sort of that classic. They're investigating a, a crime or murder, and, and, uh, and, and, of course, being the 1970s, it's in the middle of the porn industry ah. in Los Angeles. So uh, <laughs> it's a really good film. So it would be a good companion piece to Boogie hey, Nights, huh? Yeah, actually, it's it has a lot of uh, crossover yeah. <laughs> with that. Anything else you want to say, Dan? Um, I didn't know if we were going to talk about any like context issues and things like that. Things that um, I always had issues with the film with, but they're small. Yeah, no, I didn't know what you yeah, guys whatever you're going to say, uh, go, just I'll dive just, right in. I'll probably move it to earlier in the podcast, so that's okay. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, uh, my one of my issues was when the the son the little boy comes up and you know the gladiators are in their cage waiting to go out onto the mm. uh, arena and he he waves maximus over and and says hey aren't you the spaniard well i don't know how he would have known he was a spaniard he'd never seen him before there was no discussion going around um about who this guy was looked like or anything really in the film up to that point so some of those things i i uh, they're yeah, small, but they annoy me because it's where it did seem like a very works. convenient coincidence that uh, that he of all people yeah. would uh, you know, end up finding his cage and talking to him. Yeah, and he's got an Australian accent, and that whole Spaniard thing doesn't quite mix with me. But you know, <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, I mean, if we were being accurate, they'd all be doing Roman accents. So, uh, yeah, true. true. <laughs> uh, what was one of the other ones? Um, you know, everybody. Um, is yelling out Spaniard, you know, when they, when they're cheering him on and, and then he, nobody can hear him in the arena when he's telling uh, Commodus that, you know, I'm Maximus so-and-so. But then when he goes back into the, um, with all the other gladiators, they're all yelling out Maximus, Maximus. Well, nobody would (laughs) have, nobody would have heard it or known that. So that, that. So there's, there is a scene somewhere though, where one of the other gladiators mentions to him, I fought with you that place in Germany. Um, so, so it's possible that the other guys, at least some of them did actually recognize him from his military career. And the word would then spread around if that was the case. That is true. But that's just a possibility. It's uh, you know, not a big deal one way or the other, I guess, but it is interesting to wonder about. <laughs> well, overall, I think we can agree a, a worth watching film. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't checked yeah. it out in the last, 23 years, it's a good time yeah, to check it's it definitely, out. Yeah, uh, definitely yeah. glad I, I got to see it again after I saw it in the theater all those 
many years ago. Um, it's uh, it, I, it <laughs> probably isn't one of my very favorites, but uh, definitely enjoyed it. Glad I watched it again. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the other film we watched, I don't know if I mentioned uh, that, you know, we definitely need to cover at some point. I think we were talked about that in chat, guys. Uh, Run, Lola, Run. Oh, yeah. Is we've my, mentioned that a few favorites, times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, with that, we will wrap it up for Gladiator. Right. Well, yeah. Oh, thank thank you. you for joining us. I hope uh, hope it was uh, at least somewhat enjoyable for you. I, uh, I got a kick out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was interested to see what, what Ron's... Uh, idea of the movie would be you know because one of my favorites so you always wonder what somebody else was thinking about it you know especially when somebody's dives oh, into sure. movies a lot so yeah, yeah. good selection i uh, i approve <laughs> all right okay you fool